0: And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here, in the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle, so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio. The TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? <laughs> Sometimes I like to throw you for a loop. I did not see that one coming. Nobody would have. <laughs> Sound like Michael Jackson or something. What up, doc? <laughs> oh, I'm the non sexy one. Certainly not as sexy as what we just heard from Jacques. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast. It's version 322, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled.
1: If not entertained.
0: Now, the real question is, can you keep that going the entire podcast? Hell no. (laughs) It'd be funny if you could, though. Oh, man, we got a lot to get into. Got some cowboys, got some stuff around the block. ESPN's Todd Archer. We have to, believe it or not, we've got to address what the Rangers have been doing because we didn't get into that in our last podcast, so much Cowboys to do, but we'll talk about it today. But before we get into any of that, it's all about Robert Greening, man. The green team over there at Greening Law, if you've been hurt in a car accident, if you were injured on the premises of a business, they've done it all. I mean, they've represented clients from car accidents to birth injuries, to sex assault cases involving clergy and hospitals, all kinds of different things. If you think you've got a case, that's dealing in the realm of personal injury, you need to call Robert Greening and the Green Team because I'm telling you, from personal experience, they will go to bat for you against the insurance companies.
1: Dude, Matt, Matt's told you he's been going through his process for a minute, man. And when you're dealing with something like this that's long and tedious and complicated and you got to battle some big insurance company on the other end, who doesn't want somebody, a homeboy, a friend, a ride or die? To hold your hand, walk you down the path, show you where to turn left or right. Say, hey, 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 here's an obstacle. Make sure you jump right here. Hey, don't fall off a cliff right here. Who doesn't want somebody to do that? That's what grinning Law does. Tell them about it, man.
0: That's exactly what they do. And and the best part of it is the consultation's free. You're like, I don't know if I have a case. Maybe, okay, we'll find out. Give them a call. Tell them you heard about it on the Jam Session podcast. They're going to get you taken care of. 972-934-8900. It's 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, call him now, offices Dallas, Texas. And Dallas, Texas is where we will find the Cowboys. Coming up on Sunday, it is the noon kick against the Houston Texans. And this is weird because... You know, Dallas doesn't play at noon a lot. I mean, generally speaking, they probably play at noon less than most other teams in the NFL. And it just struck me, earlier today, I was like, oh yeah, noon kick is a, wait a second, noon kick, Cowboys-Texans, surely they're showing that in Birmingham. <laughs> Like, I hope so. I was like, shit, maybe they are, maybe they're not. Yeah, see, and that's the thing, and they haven't released the television map yet, but I was looking at the overall schedule for the NFL earlier today, because that's what you have to do when you live out of market, because you have to try and guess, okay, so if the Cowboys play at noon, does somebody else in this market, and then I looked at it, and I was like, oh, no, Tennessee plays at noon, but that's a CBS game, and, and the Cowboys are a Fox game, and the good news is Atlanta is on a bye this week, and So it is in wait. No, I think the Jags play at a different time something like that No, the Jags and Titans play each other. That's what it is So of those teams the Jags the Titans or Atlanta could bump the Cowboys, but I should be safe Because the only other game on Fox is the Detroit Minnesota game and no way they'd show that here over Dallas Houston
1: Now you just raise an interesting point and I've never heard this because in part probably because it's never mattered to me What the hell? It's a TV map. And where do you find it?
0: I don't know. I just like on weeks like this, like in in just to double check, I think they usually release it on Wednesdays. You can Google your TV coverage map and it'll show you like what window, like what part of the country is getting what game. Interesting. Yeah, because I mean, think about it at noon. I mean, how many noon games are there this week? There's two, four, six, there's seven games at noon for two channels. So somewhere in the country, those seven games are going to be going on. Now, obviously, you got to think that the majority of Fox viewers are going to get the Dallas-Houston game. But if you live up north, you're going to get the Detroit-Minnesota game. And if you live in the northeast, they're going to show you Philadelphia New York. They're not going to show you what Dallas-Houston. What if you're in Jackson? You should get the Dallas-Houston game. I'd be shocked if you didn't because you're closer to Dallas than I am. All right. You know, and that that's where I've run into to problems before is... When Atlanta plays because they're an NFC team, I mean, you got people have to realize I'm literally from my driveway to the stadium that in in which they play. I can get there in an hour and forty five minutes. Atlanta, yes, wow. Because I live on the east side of Birmingham. I live like fifteen minutes east of downtown Birmingham. So I'm I'm closer to Atlanta, way closer to Atlanta than I am to Dallas. So if they were both playing at the same time and they were both on Fox, I'd get the Atlanta game here. Okay. But fortunately, Atlanta's on a bye, so I'm good. I should be able to watch Dallas and Houston from my own home without having to go somewhere to watch it.
1: Hey, this is uh, this makes us all smile and feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah,
0: it does. Which, by the way, man, have you... I mean, you've been covering the Cowboys for a long-ass time. 1995. Can you recall ever the Dallas Cowboys being a 17-point favorite in a game?
1: No. But... Uh... You know, maybe they were that big a favorite back in 95 at some point.
0: Yeah, I was trying to think. I mean, because, I mean, I Andy, saying, uh, this is I wonder a, if
1: you can... Why don't you... I'm Googling something now, otherwise... Well, I, I
0: tried. I, I tried to find... Uh, like, it's very rare. Let me,
1: let me, you know, let me text Norm Hitzkiss right quick. You <laughs> <He> would know. <laughs> That's my boy. So, I, I, I'm saying this in jest and in fun. I'm trying, okay. like...
0: Let's see. Okay, so apparently... I just found this from 2019. The Dallas Cowboys in week three of 2019 were a 23-point favorite over Miami. Damn. When? In 2019. 2019? Apparently, week three. 23 points over Miami? That's what it says in what I'm reading right that now. That don't sound right, does That's it? That's what I was thinking. I was like, no way, come on. What was the score of that game? I don't know. I'm about to look it up and see because this is nuts. So the Cowboys went 8-8 eight and eight that year. Yeah, and in week three, they played the Miami Dolphins and won 31-6. Oh,
1: my God.
0: So they covered the 23-point spread.
1: Like, that was like two years ago?
0: Oh, dude. Okay, yeah. So listen Is to this. Is that the so, COVID
1: year or something?
0: No, I think it was a year before the COVID year. Miami started 0-7 in 2019. They lost in week one, 59-10. They lost in week two, nothing. I can't even remember Miami being that bad. So in week three, the Cowboys were a 23-point favorite and covered because they won by 25. Damn. I mean, it's hard to believe that was like two years ago. Man, but this, is, this has got to be one of the largest. Okay, so apparently, historically, the Cowboys have been favored by 16 points seven times, and they're three and four in those games all time. Okay. Okay. And the only time they, they, they've won all the games outright, the only time that they lost one of those games, it doesn't say how much they were favored by, but they were favored by at least 16 points, and they lost in 1995 to Washington late in the season.
1: Uh, was that the last game of the season?
0: Yeah, I think it was, yeah. You know
1: why they lost?
0: They held everybody out.
1: Plus, Wade, uh, Wade Wilson started that game. It was the last game at RFK. Uh, well, that's that kind of that's cheap. That thing was shaking and rocking. It was my only trip to RFK.
0: Man, wasn't that place like a dump?
1: Yeah, but it was a. I mean, you know, it's like a. It's like when you went to uh what's the name of Chicago Stadium? Is it Memorial Stadium?
0: Soldier Field?
1: Oh, duh.
0: So I knew it was something to be with the army. <laughs> I know you're you're it's confusing like, me. Was, I was like. Oh my God! It was like a- Soldier Field before they built the new I thought it was like—is there a secret name and they just call it Soldier Field? And I'm a
1: dumbass. What do you mean? No, nah, so you know, there's like it's like a dumpy stadium, but it was a historic dumpy stadium.
0: Okay, if that makes sense. Kind of like veterans back then in Philadelphia.
1: Exactly. It's a dumpy stadium, but it was a historic dumpy stadium. Okay. Although the Eagles were so bad that um, the vet didn't
0: didn't have the field of Soldier Field or Lambeau or RFK interesting so so there you have it but point being and we'll get more into this game on Thursday well when we drop the the Friday version of the podcast but man a 17 point line is a rarity I mean in the history of the franchise I guess this would be the eighth time they've been favored in a game by over 16 points and they're favored by 17 but one thing and you said this and I thought it was interesting because you and I were talking briefly about Tony Pollard and you look at this guy and the way that you described Tony Pollard, I think, was really interesting because when you think about it, it, it I mean, this isn't a rookie. You know, this isn't even a second-year player. This is a dude who's in his fourth year in the NFL, yet it's like you kind of threw out the idea that he's running like he's in college.
1: Yeah, now if you give me two seconds, I'm going I'm to run some numbers down for y'all that will have you be like, oh, my God. God, really?
0: Okay, yeah, so go Uh, for it because, you know. Okay, here they are. All right, so that was two seconds literally. (laughs) A couple of these are basic numbers,
1: okay? So, in 20-yard runs, he's tied for second in the league with Saquon Barkley with eight. Nick Chubb of Cleveland's got 12. All right, that's about what you expect. In 40-yard runs, he and uh, Travis Etienne of Jacksonville – I hate to put Justin Fields in there since he's a quarterback, but each of them lead the league with three runs of 40 yards or more. Listen to that. Those guys lead the NFL with three runs with three runs of 40 yards or more. Now, here's the mind blowing number to me, bro. So Jamal Williams leads the NFL with 14 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. Okay, his touchdowns average six point two yards. He had a 51-yarder and a 13-yarder. Everything else is below 10. Nick Chubb has uh, 12 touchdowns, I believe. Uh, He's second in the league. His touchdowns average 12.2. He's got a 41 and a 28. Everything else is below 10. Josh Jacobs having a hell of a year with the Raiders. Yeah, he is. He's got 10 touchdowns. They averaged 18.1. He's got a 10, a 15, a 30, an 86, and a 20. Tony fucking Pollard has 10 touchdowns. There's nobody. Those four guys lead the league in rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Tony fucking Pollard. One more time. Tony fucking Pollard averages 31.8 yards per touchdown. Golly,
0: that is insane.
1: 57 18 54 13 30 68 and 30. this is insane people this is literally insane nobody scores touchdowns from that kind of distance in today's nfl because the defenses are too good the defensive players are too fast they can recover they run you down nobody scores like this on a regular basis and this doesn't even include you know, I could probably do his other ones real quick uh, because he's also I, in his previous three seasons, he's also scored from 58, 100, 40, 42, 44, 21 and 16. I mean, it's incredible, bro. The acceleration, the burst, the speed, the power, um, because, you know, like I don't see a lot of wiggle with him. I see a lot of speed, burst and acceleration. And the power to run through some tackles, yeah. and then he's gone it's not like he's shaking and baking people uh, but that dude is so fast and he sees that hole he is Whoo, see ya i holla man that's the truth um, so anyway i thought that i thought that was pretty interesting um you just don't see that in today's nfl and that's why i wrote a column about it a couple weeks ago in the morning news and i said you don't pay him like a running back you don't pay him you know like a receiver because he's had that big catch for a touchdown you pay him like a playmaker because that's what he is and you're fooling yourself if you say ah he's a running back running backs uh you know they're they're not a big part of today's nfl so let's just go find another running back this dude is a special breed ain't nobody scoring touchdowns like he's scoring touchdowns man I mean, he's scoring touchdowns. You would expect a wide receiver to average 30, 30 yards a touchdown, not a running back. And so, you know, um, I'm convinced they'll sign him. Hopefully they sign him to a three- or four-year deal so they don't have to worry about it. But he's a guy who's a bona fide playmaker, and there's no way in the world you let a guy like that get out of
0: your, your, uh, your locker room. Is he uh, the level of playmaker of Debo Samuel? Yeah, I think so. Because if that's the case, except,
1: except Debo, Debo does it in reverse. And um, you raise a good point. Let me look up uh, Debo Samuel right quick. Yeah, because like I don't know, I don't know how often he finds the uh, the end zone. And, and I say that maybe he finds it all the time. I just don't know because I haven't looked it up.
0: Yeah, because you look at it, this is a guy in Debo Samuel who I think we're all familiar with who had the contract extension that he signed and that was part of, okay, well, what are you? You know, like you, obviously the team wants to pay you like a running back, you're not a running back. You know, you look at Tony Pollard will be 26 years old in April, so he'll be going into his age 26 season. Debo Samuel got a three year, $71.5 million contract extension, which, you know, and they, they can spread it around, but his, his big cap hit will come in a couple of years when it's 28 and a half and then 24.2. So I'll be really curious to see how the Cowboys Uh, figure this with him.
1: I don't – I mean, I don't think there's much to figure really, bro. They're going to call him a running back and say, hey, you make – you line up, you you caught, you know, 20 passes this year and you ran the ball 200 times. You're a running back. Debo Samuel was a little trickier because he was really – at a certain point, you know, because as a wide receiver – you're only going to catch five, or yeah. six passes most weeks anyway. And, but he was running the ball seven or eight times, so he could legitimately argue one or the other. But in his case, it was like, yo, the best wide receivers make $25 million a year. The best running backs make nine or ten. So, no, True. I am definitely a wide receiver. So, Debo Samuel, yes, he's averaging um, 35 yards per touchdown. No, I take it back. that was in the playoffs um I was gonna say that I was gonna say, but the problem is he's only scored two, Matt <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a little different I would say that's quite yeah, a problem so, quite honestly,
1: yeah, and so you know right now like he's a he's a good taste he's averaging twenty six point five yards per touchdown which is which is fabulous, but he's only scored um four. Oh, but let's take one second as we do this live and in action. Last year, Matt, he did that damn thing. Um, so you came up with the with the proper with the proper deal, bro. Because look what he averaged uh, per touchdown last year. It'll probably blow your mind. Uh hold up as I do it right quick. See the kind of shit we give you guys? I mean it's just live, it's happening right now. <laughs> Oh, this is impressive. I bet this is more than Tony Pollard. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. He scored fourteen touchdowns last year. Nope. Averaged twenty-seven point four yards per touchdown.
0: Amazing. I mean, that's incredible when you put it in that type of perspective because of I think everybody's very familiar with Debo Samuel, the impact player that he is, how big of a deal he is. And we're telling you that Tony Pollard, at least through what, however many games, 12 games, whatever, yeah. is is on that level.
1: Because Debo scored last year on plays of 79, 76, 13, 14, 40, 25, 20, 27, 10, 45, 16. He had a few others that were less than 10. Those are some long touchdowns in today's NFL. Yeah, and
0: it's, it's, it's wild too, man, because when you look at this as a rusher, and I'm sure most people are aware of this, he is second in the NFL in running backs in yards per attempt. Only Khalil Herbert in Chicago is at more. Pollard's averaging 5.8 per attempt. Herbert's at six, but Pollard's had 40 more attempts than he has. And then, like you said, like Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, quarterbacks are up there, but that's a little bit of a different game. In receiving yards per reception, now, like, like you mentioned, I mean... Wide receivers are going to average over 15 yards a catch. Tony Pollard is second in the NFL in average yards per reception for running backs. He's averaging 10.4 yards per reception as a running back. The only running back in the NFL who is averaging more yards per catch is Derrick Henry at 12.4. Wow. So that, that kind of shows you a little bit of the explosion factor from the running back position that you talk about when you get Tony Pollard going on. And and Henry has 23 catches. Tony Pollard has 25 catches. So that's a pretty good comparison. But when you're talking about a guy who can get down the sideline and leave people in the dust, I don't know, man, 26 years old next year. He doesn't have a lot of wear on him. He's obviously a vital part of this offense. I will be very curious to see how they figure this thing out. Because what they're doing right now with Zeke and Pollard is working really damn good.
1: I think, uh, I think it'll, I think he'll end up making probably somewhere around 10 or 11 million next year. You know, because what they can do is, they can say, hey, we'll give you some security, we'll give you a four year deal, we'll give you a bit of a bonus, you know, whatever it is. But they can take Zeke's money, and if Zeke is supposed to make 12 million next year or 14 million or whatever he's supposed to make. yeah. Well, in today's world, why do I guess I can look it up right here um but what I'm saying is they can take Zeke's money because everybody including Zeke knows he's taking a pay cut sure, sure <laughs> you know it's just a matter of can can you respect you know can you give me somewhere I don't have to hold my head down when i when I show back up so Zeke is supposed to make uh sixteen million next that's his cap number right his base salary is ten is eleven million. You can take him down probably to five. Take that six million, add four of it to... uh, You can basically give him Zeke's money the next three years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because Zeke is supposed to make 10.9, 10, and 15, and 16, which he'll never see. So you could give him that, that 10 he's supposed to make in 2024, and you can give him some of that 15 he's supposed to make in 2025. And you're just moving the numbers around because Zeke probably got... He's played well enough to earn another year. I don't know if he'll get another year past that because he'll be 29. And uh, I don't know how he's going to age because he plays so hard and he's so physical. Yeah. So I think you can make it work because you're just gonna take away from Zeke's money and uh, and add a little bit to ma- to get pilot But you gotta take care of pilot for what reason, Matt? What's the number one reason other than he's earned it? But what's the other reason? I mean,
0: you don't want him shopping around. I mean, my thing would be that somebody else could come in here if you don't take care of him and, and blow him away.
1: Yeah, but I, I made it even more basic than that. You have to take care of him because, and I was looking it up right quick, don't forget, he's a fourth-round pick. He ain't never made no money. Well, that's true. Like, for real. Like, he's, he ain't never made no money. He's made 495000 675000 850000 this year. In the, in the NFL world, that's nickels and dimes. So, Tony ain't trying to hear nothing about what you can't do. Because he ain't never made no money. He's like, give me my money. <laughs> and that's why I said at worst, he's going to get the franchise, which is $10 million. And if you've if you've you know made three million in your career to this stage, ten million in one year seems pretty damn good.
0: It does, and I, I think they'll figure it out. They'll get it done because it's obvious they got a special player that's a massive part of this offense. I'm just glad they finally figured it out because even earlier in the year they didn't figure it out to to the level of which they finally got. And that's why teams play the NFL season. You know this team is better now than it was earlier in the year, and part of that is because. It seems like they really understand how to use these two together and that you can start using tony pollard a little bit more and more and you're seeing the results of that
1: um you know who else uh, is in line for a payday too bro and we don't talk about him at all and i gotta say man he used to suck and now he doesn't is uh terrence Steele? um he's a restricted free agent um and he ain't made no money either as an undrafted free agent and so it's gonna be time to pay him as well, and this is the good thing about drafting and developing and the bad thing, you know. Like, yeah, you got him for cheap, but if you want to keep them, brother, is you about to pay? You are gonna have to pay out the ass, and they because they're not trying to hear nothing because those guys haven't been paid.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the way it works, right? Then you already yeah, I mean, know. I mean, you know, you you I mean, you already you got know.
1: Four great years out of those guys, and you got. Two good years out of Terrence Steele, where I mean he's a guy probably, based on performance, should be making $10 ten million, twelve million a year, and you're getting it for eight hundred ninety-five thousand. So you're winning. You're getting a twelve, ten to twelve million dollar performance from uh, Tony Pollitt, So you're yeah. winning. Um, you know, but the win, this, this, these particular victories are about to come to an end.
0: That's very true, and that's why when you have guys like this, especially if it's at the quarterback position, but when you've got valuable guys on their rookie contracts, you have to win when you have all that. Nope. True words have never been spoken. That's why this is a huge year for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they've got a great shot. There's nobody that you fear in the NFC. Yes, Philadelphia is a better team probably right now than you, but you got to find a way to at least get into the Final Four this year. You have to. Yeah.
1: I I think... um... I think you're not looking at some other team like, oh, well, I hope we don't have to play them. Uh, San Francisco is pretty damn good now. And, you know, San Francisco could present a matchup problem just because of the style. Their problem now is with whoever is the quarterback. So that's what I'm saying, Doc. Without Jimmy G being a threat to throw the ball, uh, you know, teams will pack it in. And so whoever they replace them with. He's less of a threat to throw than Jimmy G. So they're really going to pack it in, which should have some ramifications on their run game.
0: Yeah, and we'll see how it turns out. I mean, they thought there was a thought that Baker Mayfield might go there. And I thought, why in the world would Baker Mayfield get all the way down to the 27th waiver priority? He didn't. The Los Angeles Rams claimed him, as you might imagine. So that's not going to be an answer for the San Francisco 49ers. But... We mentioned this the other night. We'll see how it turns out. Right now, Dallas is is barring somebody helping you and beating Philadelphia, and then you also beating Philadelphia. Dallas is staring a first round wild card playoff game on the road at Tampa in the face, because whoever wins the South is going to host whoever the best wild card team is, and that's really the way that this is looking like it'll set up. Then from there, again, these division winners: Minnesota, San Francisco. We'll see who it is and what your path would look like. But that is, I mean, I know it's still five games. Anything can happen, but just the way that this sets up, if you take care of what you're supposed to, it's very likely they'll be the top wild card heading on the road to whoever wins the NFC South, which is going to be Tampa.
1: Uh, yeah, that's cool. I don't think they would fear Tampa. I mean, a matter of fact, I think they would go kick Tampa's ass right about now. Tampa Bay hadn't played good in a long time. Uh, I think that pass rush could get to Brady, uh, much like it did in the first game, uh, at least move him around a little bit. Uh, but I think their offense is so much better and playing with so much more confidence now that uh, they would go take care of Tampa. That, that wouldn't bother me. I have a quick aside, though, bro. Mm. Baker Mayfield, that dude fell off a cliff quickly. I mean, do you realize two years ago he threw for 3,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Had a passer rating of 95.9. His third year, you're like, oh, I guess he's about to take off. And since then, he's got 23 TDs, 19 interceptions, and it's just trash and is, you know, about yeah. to move on to his third team in three years.
0: He's just a guy. I mean, he, he is... He will be in the NFL for a long time because I think he is the type of guy that can make a really nice career out of a backup. He, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he Ryan Fitzpatrick's this thing, where you know, really? he, you know what I mean, where he he can start. He's not the worst quarterback on the planet. There'll be a team that's like, hey, we, you're a bridge guy, come in here and give us a year or two, and and because we need to, we've got a young guy coming, or we're going to draft a quarterback or whatever. I just don't see him being the answer for anybody. You know, or like an Andy Dalton type guy at this point in his career, even though he's much younger than Andy Dalton was when Andy Dalton had to go that route. But, like, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody out there who misses out in the draft looks at Baker Mayfield in the offseason as like, well, you know, we didn't get Bryce Young, we didn't get C.J. Stroud, we didn't get any of these other guys in the first round because we had to go down too low. But, hey, let's sign Baker and see if he's got anything. If not, we'll try it again in the draft next year. I can see that. He strikes me as that type of guy.
1: Yeah.
0: Average. Below average, really. I mean, when it's all said and done, there's a reason why he couldn't beat out Sam Darnold or P.J. Walker in Carolina.
1: Did you think he was going to be good in the NFL?
0: I don't know that I thought he would be good. I was curious to see if the attitude that he had, and, and when Cleveland drafted him, I was like, man, that's the, like the right attitude for Cleveland. But it's Cleveland. <laughs> and Cleveland never has any luck with quarterbacks. And they suck. And, and sure enough, that's obviously what happened to him. But when you remember that class that he came out with, that was the, the Mayfield-Darnold class that obviously also had Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and at the end of the first round, Lamar Jackson. I, I don't know that anybody thought Josh Allen would be this guy. <laughs> that he's become... So when you look at it, that was a really interesting class. And generally speaking, if you have five quarterbacks drafted in the first round, two of them will be good. You might have one that's average, and two of them are going to bust. Sam Darnold's a bust. Josh Rosen's a bust. Baker Mayfield now is trending bust, but he may be that average guy that just kind of hangs around because Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are obviously elite-level quarterbacks. Go figure wildly man so
1: it's it's almost about time for somebody to write a story about that class quarterbacks
0: it might be because i mean josh rosen my god that dude's been on like six different teams or some crap and just never i mean you're talking about a guy who was drafted in the first round who the very next year was replaced by a guy drafted 10 spots higher than him with the number one overall draft pick
1: yep go figure
0: you know but you look at like say say the giants don't believe daniel jones is the answer You know, do they bring back Daniel Jones next year or like a Baker Mayfield for a team like that that unexpectedly has a good year and doesn't end up with like a top 10 draft pick? That's the type of team that I can see, you know what, let's go get Baker. Like that type, that level of team that's kinda like we need a guy like that.
1: Yeah, I can see that in certain circumstances.
0: Yeah, certain circumstances where, you know, and it may even be like, hey, we're gonna bring you in. Kinda like what Seattle did this year and Geno Smith just kinda took off nobody's signing geno smith to a long-term contract seattle's probably stunned that this has turned out that way but i right, could right see it right. te- you know a team like that that's kind of like hey let's let's keep this guy around he can hang out you know and and we'll see if we need to use him for a year if we need to use him for a stretch of games we got him yep but as we move on we got to get a couple of notes for you here but we need to tell you about Bruce biltong Bruce biltong if you have not ordered it yet you gotta try it It's brewsbiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. You go to brewsbiltong.com. Now, they got some two-ounce bags you can get, 240 calories per bag, 30 grams of protein, great snack. They have the bigger eight-ounce bags that you can share that'll last you a little bit longer. You can do the sliced biltong, you can do the slab, but whatever you do, I'm telling you, if you are a fan of beef jerky at all, or know anyone who is, you will be blown away the first time that you eat Biltong.
1: You know, I've told y'all for a long time, Biltong, I rock with it, because not only is it savory and succulent and delicious, and I like its nickname, Butt Strips, it's also <laughs> good for you in the sense of, it's got no carbs, it's natural ingredients, 230 calories in two-ounce pouch, lots of protein, 30 grams, and that means it's a great snack for those of us who try to stay fit and trim even during the holiday season. So that's why Matt says, go ahead, order a bag, order two, order 10, and send us a thank you card later.
0: Yeah, and they do all kinds of stuff. Like you can go to the website, brewsbilletong.com, and you can order a bag or two or three or four at a time. You can also get like on a subscription service, well, they'll, they'll mail you a bag every 30 days, every whatever. You can set it up the way that you want. So check it out. If you're looking for a healthy, delicious snack, and you're a fan of beef jerky in the past, you need to try Bruce Bill Tong. Brewsbilltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15, J-A-M, the number 15 at checkout. And my friend, you get 15% off your order every time we use it. So support this man. He continues to support us, which is awesome. We're the only podcast he's ever worked with. And you guys continue to support him, which helps us tremendously. Also, freewaytireshop.com, a big part of why we keep doing the podcast. JR and his guys You know, as Jacques can tell you, I mean, it can be something simple. Not all mechanic, you don't always have to go to the mechanic for the big work. We all have to get oil changes and state inspections. At some point, you gotta go through the process of getting new tires. And when you find a mechanic that you trust, that you know you can go to, that does the little things well, they're gonna take care of you and stand behind your work, you keep going back, which is why, living in Dallas, Jacques goes to JR like every time he's in town.
1: well i rock with jr man uh for real because you know i trust him to diagnose what's wrong with my cars then i trust him to use quality parts to fix my cars and then i trust him to charge me a fair freaking price uh for whatever's wrong with it man whether it's a new engine or some tires or an oil change whatever just charge me a fair price bro and then that's I, I i trust him to stand behind his work you find a mechanic who can do that because there's not many who do all four of those things then ride with him if you can't then go ride with JR. He's five minutes north of downtime, right off of 35 and Commonwealth. Go through the light, look on the right. Boom, there he is. And tell me your boys from jam session Center.
0: Yeah, make it happen. You can schedule your appointment or request a quote online at freewaytireshop.com. So a quick trip around the block, a couple of things here for you. First off, I saw this the other night, and I was like, wow. I, I mean, I, she just didn't seem old to me. Kirsty Alley, the actress, passed away- hey. She died? She passed away on Monday night at the young age of 71 years old.
1: Oh, I didn't know she died.
0: Yeah, she, she's no longer with us.
1: Oh, so sad.
0: It is sad, man. And, you know, Kirstie Alley, most people probably remember her from Cheers. She played the character Rebecca in like 140 some odd episodes for like seven seasons on Cheers. And a lot of us, like I, remember her probably most from the Look Who's Talking movies that she did with John Travolta in the, well, I guess the first one was like late 80s and then the the early 90s. But it, everybody somehow kind of knows who Kirstie Alley is. And I don't know, man. Like when I saw that, I was like, Kirstie Alley, God, I thought she was, I don't know. I just didn't think she was old. Then I saw her age. It's like only 71. And apparently. So I didn't even realize she was that old. Yeah. Apparently she had cancer and it was a very short, but. Uh, unfortunately obviously at the end a a short and terminal battle with cancer that she did not disclose this was not like a public thing that anybody knew and it was a something they discovered recently and unfortunately she at that time it was too late and Kirstie Alley has passed away
1: she was a real hottie when she was young bro
0: yeah she had it going
1: on no doubt
0: yeah no now what's funny
1: is I, i'm acting like this because i saw her picture on something like probably the day she died yeah and this is what i did i said oh i literally looked at the and said oh i wonder how old she is and i went and looked up how old she was and i said wow i didn't know she was that old and i never looked up another thing and never thought another thing about it until yeah. you said it right then i guess that's why her picture was up
0: yeah, I guess so. And then, you know, we don't think about that because these are people that, you know, in a lot of cases you grew up with them and they've been in movies and whatnot that you've seen for so many years. You know, like we don't think about it. For instance, John Travolta turned 69 next year. Our buddy John Travolta. Yeah. Our, our very good friend, John Travolta, who we interviewed <laughs> when we were with, with ESPN. And that was badass. And he was awesome.
1: Dude, that was probably one of his favorite interviews of all time.
0: I guarantee you it was. <laughs> We even talked in the bathroom after that segment yeah. when I ran into him.
1: Hey, Matt shook his thing when he finished.
0: And then he shook yours. <laughs> I don't know if that happened. Oh, my bad.
1: But that, but, yeah, that was no. awesome, man. I remember that very, very well. No, that was a good time. That was a good time. That that's was probably, a good time. That's probably one of our top 10 uh, top ten uh, jam session moments.
0: It really was, man. I mean, you think about a guy like a John Travolta uh, and you could tell that he was enjoying the interview because his, I mean. his handler was trying to get him to, to bounce out. And he kept talking to us.
1: <laughs> no, nah, he had a blast that day. Maybe the, maybe the biorhythms, everything was perfect, but uh, we had a blast that
0: day. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And of course, he and Kirstie Alley were together in those Look Who's Talking movies. I just remember as a little kid, you know, he, like watching those movies in like a baby's thoughts. And you just think it's the most the hilarious thing of all time, you know. And Bruce Willis voiced the baby's mind. And it was John Travolta and Kirstie Alley. uh, Fun little movies. But the other thing I had for you, and I know that if you are in DFW, you are very familiar with Fuzzy's Taco Shop. Well, Uh, yeah, Fuzzy's Taco Shop has sold the parent company of Applebee's and IHOP has purchased Fuzzy's Taco Shop for $80 million in cash. That sounds like a good thing for them. I would imagine that it does. Fuzzy's is now a chain. They have 138 restaurants in 18 states. I didn't know that. And they have long-term development agreements that could double its locations. And they had previously been purchased by an equity firm in Atlanta in 2016, And they are expected to top nationwide 230 million in sales this year and now being added to the portfolio along with Applebee's and IHOP. And what's wild about this, the very first Fuzzies, I remember it well, the very first Fuzzies opened in 2001 over there right across the street from TCU in Fort Worth. And I don't know if it's still there or not, but it was right next to a bar that used to be a popular spot for college kids called the Aardvark in Fort Worth.
1: All right. Uh, now, are you a big Fuzzies fan?
0: I used to be. I, I, I used to be quite the Fuzzies fan. Yeah, I see the Aardvark now is permanently closed. Over there off Barry Street, that's where the original Fuzzies was. And I say I used to be because when Fuzzies first opened, tacos and that that kind of stuff was not really available that easily. Right, right. And I just happened to be dating a girl at the time who went to TCU and I lived in Fort Worth when it opened and we used to go to, you know, like you'd go drink at the Yardvark and then because Fuzzy's was open late, you'd go into Fuzzy's and get tacos. Oh, okay. I mean, that's that Fuzzy's was, what you- and that blows my mind. Anytime I see a Fuzzy's, I'm like, man, I literally went there probably within the first month or so it ever opened in its <laughs> original location. Shit, that's just kind of what you do then. Yeah, I guess so, man. But I like fuzzies. I mean, for me, I, I think for what it is, it's really, really good now. I mean, I'm trying to think like how old the Velvet Taco is. I don't think it's as old as fuzzies. And, and I'm trying to think that no, might no, have been. Taco,
1: Velvet Taco is my spot.
0: Yeah, Velvet Taco is really good. Like that craft style of taco. I mean, fuzzies kind of first made it to where, wait, hold on. People will come and get tacos at a location like this. Yeah, fuzzies is to me is solid. I would but, agree. Uh, yeah,
1: they're not spectacular. And, they were, and I say that, and that's not a knock on Fuzzies. Because, um, you know, they had one up the street from me in my house in DeSoto, and I went a couple times. Yeah. And I've been over there 20 years, and, just, and Fuzzies has been a – but clearly – now, check this out, man. Clearly, I'm in a minority because they literally built one Fuzzies on the corner of, like, 67 and Pleasant Run, and there's literally another one two miles away on Pleasant Run. Dang. No, for real. So, clearly, I'm in a minority.
0: That's a lot, man. I I will say this: like, I would imagine that Torchies Tacos is probably. Torchies might have even opened because Torchy's is from I Austin. See,
1: I like Torchy's better
0: than I do uh, too. Fuzzies, but
1: not better than Velvet Taco. Although I kind of put them in two different categories.
0: Yeah, see, and I I would go Torchies over that as well. And I'm trying to think. When Torchies originally opened, I want to say that that might have been. They were around the same time. I bet that was early two thousands as well in Austin. And now you see Torchies is in like ten different states and has over a hundred locations. Hell, are they in Mississippi? I believe they are, but I don't think oh. they're in Jackson because nothing is. Oh, so, so <laughs> damn! You had me there for a minute. I was so happy. Well, I was going to see now, because I, mean, I know. No, they're not. They're in Louisiana. I was going to say, I know that there's somewhere around. They're in Louisiana. Yeah, there's one in Arkansas. I knew that they're in Arkansas. There's not any in Alabama oh, or Mississippi. Shit.
1: Baton Rouge doesn't do me any good. That's
0: on the other side of the world. Yeah, Baton Rouge, the one, it's like smack dab across from the LSU campus. Yeah, I guess I've I enough
1: I could get back to Dallas.
0: I happened to be in Baton Rouge a couple of years ago, the day that that Torchy's had its grand opening. Of all How day. about that? How wow. random is I'm like a taco king all of a sudden. Hell yeah! Yeah, man, it's so random. Torchy's is legit though. Yeah, there's a place I'm around actually, here called Taco Mama that I'm a big fan of. Oh, that's uh, Scott's place, right? Yeah, that, that he was tied into, and now Taco Mama's expanded in is like five or six different states. People like freaking tacos, man. Tacos are awesome. Tacos is fantastic. I could eat tacos all the time. <laughs> I could
1: eat I, uh, I could eat tacos every day
0: I ate tacos okay. last night the lady made tacos
1: I was gonna say and I enjoy making tacos whether they're salmon tacos on flour tortillas or regular traditional tacos on corn tortillas I enjoy uh I enjoy making tacos matter of fact can I tell you something Matt yes I have leftover tacos in my refrigerator in Jackson complete with cilantro a little sour cream and cheese available
0: fantastic
1: and I may have just talked myself into having some tacos as soon as the show is over you should do it if I wasn't so bold man I'd go make it while we were doing it eat it on the ear
0: well yeah don't do that part yeah that's yeah. it if I were so bold. yeah I understand I'm not. all right well before before we get into Todd Archer for our next Cowboys conversation we got to talk a little Rangers here because Dude,
1: I wondered If we were going to get around to that, because we have uh, to, we haven't. And they added another guy today.
0: They did. But on Friday night, the bombshell of bombshells dropped with the Rangers securing a true ace. And I'm going to quantify this in bold and italics. When healthy, Jacob deGrom is one of the very best pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. He is a dominant level number one ace starter who quite honestly, if he's healthy, may be the best pitcher the Texas Rangers have ever had. Like this is like think Cliff Lee era when he was really, really good and Cole Hamels when they first got him and he was really, really good. You know, this is a dude who is a two-time Cy Young award winner This is a guy who, unfortunately, in 2021 and 2022, he's only made 26 combined starts in the last two years. But, man, when he has been out there, he strikes people out like wild. He doesn't walk people. He is dominant when he's on the mound.
1: No, he is. uh, He's supposed to be that dude. Uh, Now, you know, I've heard the name, obviously, but y'all know I haven't followed baseball much for the last three or four seasons. Uh, as he was collecting his Cy Young awards and moving to the top of the of uh, pitchers in baseball, uh, but and I'm I'm cool with this. What I'm about to say, the injury stuff bothers me. He is what is he 34?
0: Yeah, he'll be 35 in the middle of next season. I think he turns 35 in June. If um, I remember, so
1: so that bothers me. Yeah. But the reality is, and, and you know, I'm a realist. If I'm nothing else, you ain't getting that guy if he's perfect because one, the Mets wouldn't let him go, or two, he, somebody else would, would take care of him. So sometimes it just works out that way. Um, I view it kind of like the Nolan Ryan move, where this particular wave of Rangers, which has been one of the worst teams in baseball for the last five years, they need a credibility piece. And this guy, as Matt said, if he's healthy, oh, he's gonna be out of credibility you need. And you're hoping, I think anyway, that with all the money, uh, and the responsibility of being your staff ace and a legitimate ace not just the best pitcher on the bad team skinniest fat guy so to speak that when your young guys like lighter and rocker come up he'll still be here and say yo here's the way you do it and to me i think that's a valuable thing to have plus the way that they're building their staff bro those guys can earn a trip to the big leagues as opposed to being given one, because hey, yeah. we ain't got nobody, we need to put some f- some asses in the seats. So, lighter, step right up, buddy, it's your day. No, dog, go pitch your ass off at Frisco, go handle your business at AAA, and then we'd love to have you here. But until then, you ain't coming up.
0: Now, it's a five-year deal worth $185 million, and there's incentives that can make it more than that. That's 37 uh, something plus a year, for Jacob deGrom, who is now the third highest paid player on an annual basis in Major League Baseball behind Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. Again, and I say when healthy over the past three seasons, Jacob deGrom has the second highest strikeout rate in the sport among pitchers with 100 plus innings, a strikeout rate of 42.4%. The only pitcher he trails is the Mets closer, and as a matter of fact, the five after him are all closers. The Damn. next highest starting pitcher is a guy, Spencer Strider, who's at 29% strikeout rate. And DeGrom's at 42.4%. I mean, this That's is insane. Yeah, this guy is on a different level. Again, when healthy. And he has struggled with health in the past couple of years, obviously. They like their medical team. The Rangers did all the things that they could possibly do. Their team doctor dove into him. Apparently Chris Young and their new general manager addressed this. He's one of the leading experts in the world in pitchers, their team doctor. And they did their background on this guy. And they believe. And and again, keep in mind, this isn't like remember when they traded for Corey Kluber and everybody's like, oh hell yeah, Cory Kluber. Then you looked at you like, wow. You know he wasn't very good (laughs) right before he had his injury and all that. Well, Degrom, yeah, he's missed time, but when again, when he's pitched, he's been dominant. Like he's literally been one of the best pitchers in baseball the last couple of years. The problem is he made what was it, twelve starts two years ago, eleven starts last year. So you got you have to hope, you have to hope that his health is going to be there and that he will be healthy. But the other thing that this signals. And we've seen the Rangers do this in the past. This signals they actually legitimately believe they are on the brink of opening a window for championship contention. The signings last offseason was Seager and Simeon and John Gray. The signing this year with Jacob deGrom, and they're not done yet. As you mentioned, they signed another dude while we're doing the podcast named Andrew Heaney, who has been hit and miss, but is another guy who has a really high chase rate and a really high strikeout rate and is kind of viewed as a guy that could be their two or their three you still got john gray from last year who had a good season martin perez and don't forget they picked up jake odorizzi who if nothing else can eat innings that gives you guys like dunning and cole raggins some time where okay now you can earn a spot in the rotation or you can eat innings for out of the bullpen as you mentioned you've got lighter you've got cole win you've got rocker all in your system it, what the Rangers are doing now is, and we they did this before when they made those moves back in the late aughts leading into their window of contention, you know, they made trades and then they started signing guys and they went out and spent money on Adrian Beltre and they did what they thought because they believed they had pieces in place. It's obvious they believe that right now. Now, if it turns out, we'll see because you need some of these guys to be healthy. But holy hell, they've got some names on this team all of a sudden.
1: And uh, you know I can appreciate that. I'll I'll watch some baseball this year because they're they're trying to do some things to make it happen, and they're gonna put a real product on the field. Uh, and maybe the game will be a little more exciting than it's been. And uh, and I get through it a little bit. But um, so you're down with this uh, with this Haney guy?
0: Yeah, from everything that you read, just because of his strikeout rate and chase rate, he's a guy that can get guys to chase pitches, which is what you like. Now, reality of it is. He was horrible two years ago with the Angels and the Yankees. He was really damn good last year in 2022. But again, when he was healthy, we're talking about a guy when he was healthy, struck out 110 batters and walked just 19 and 72 and two thirds innings last year. But he had some shoulder inflammation and only had one start from April, May, June, almost to the end of July. And he's only ever thrown over 110 innings twice. Right, right, right. So, again, it, it, they, they've, they're they've they taking some risks here. But when these guys are healthy, they're really, really good.
1: Really good. Uh, I think they still got to have a uh, – do they need a closer? I'm not saying it's got to be some super-duper closer. But it seems like they lost a lot of games in the eighth and ninth inning last
0: year. Yeah, they need, you know, bullpen help. And, and this depth hopefully will give them some of that bullpen – help Uh, just because guys are going deeper into games more often so you don't have to yeah and then you you know like a guy like a Dane Dunning or a Glenn Otto who they used quite a bit as starters last year they may not start this year those may be guys coming out of your bullpen for you you know I mean it's it'll be really interesting to see how they move forward I mean their closer last year really I mean you know Brock Burke they're not Brock Burke Matt Moore closed a little bit Joe Barlow is who I was thinking of that was their main closer and he was just kind of okay Right, right. They didn't have that guy, so I don't know. But this is as positive as the Rangers have been, and they're spending money. We'll see. That's all you can do. You know, Jose LeClerc hopefully can come back, and and they picked his option up for 2023. So hopefully LeClerc, remember that dude?
1: He was supposed to be the man. Yeah, and he
0: he started the year last year because he was having Tommy John surgery that – basically ended his 2021 season and i man i'm trying to remember if he even played at all last year i think he was mainly in mostly in the minor leagues last year and then they were very cautious with him at the end of the season when he came back but you got to think that leclerc would be one of the guys that they might trust if he's fully healthy again and fully recovered from tommy john the expectation would be he'd be your closer this year Right, right, right. We'll see, but it's exci- this is an exciting time, man, because I'll take it. We got a legit 8. Just Ace, just please be healthy. Uh yeah, just yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, You know, go win a World Series, man. I mean, shit, that's not much, that's not too much to ask for. Not at all. Come on. It's not like you've done it before. Come on. <laughs> it's our time. I, it's not our time. They legit, you know, Chris Young and ownership seemed really pissed at the end of the season ray davis was very blunt they expect to compete and win and be in the play the expectation is this is a playoff team for 2022 or 2023 excuse me that's the expectation anything less than that would be a disappointment now as far as what you do when you get to the playoffs who knows but when you've got guys like this if they are healthy that's the type of pitching that it takes to win in the playoffs so we'll see It is time as we do each and every week to check in with our ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys reporter Todd Archer joining us here. And Arch, uh, I I mean, we all kind of thought Dallas would probably beat the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday Night Football, but never in our wildest dreams did anybody expect a 33.4th quarter. It, it, It was very, very close game going into the fourth quarter. But what do we make about how that game turned out and the overall thumping with the final score of what they did to the Colts?
2: Right, so here, here's a little like Jacques knows this. You know, you get late in the night game, you got to kind of send your ideas in on what you're gonna write about to your editors and just you know we've seen this like a quick, quick take kind of thing. And I said, so I was like, all right, they're gonna win this game. Ah, but it wasn't aesthetically pleasing, but hey, that doesn't matter. It's about keeping pace with Philadelphia and making sure that game on Christmas Eve matters. And then you know I'm writing that off and I look up, I'm like, when the how did it become 54 to 19? <laughs> that'll happen here. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, uh, it was a closer game than a 35-point blowout. And, but they they eventually wore out the worst team, and that's what good teams are supposed to do. And they, the defense took advantage of, of bad play. The offense uh, took advantage of creating those takeaways into points, and there you have it. I mean, it was, you know, you look at the end of it, they still only threw, with Dak throw for 170 yards or something like that. But they ran it for 220 yards, and I was like, ah, that was just junk yards that got in the fourth quarter. No, they actually had like 130 yards through three quarters. So they they ran it consistently. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you look at it, the Cowboys have 350-point games in the last two years. The rest of the league combined is 350-point games. So, you know, they, they did what they were supposed to do. Now they got to do what they're supposed to do against Houston, do what you're supposed to do against Jacksonville. And make sure, again, that that game on Christmas Eve means something against the Eagles.
1: So I guess the question is, Dak shows up. They've hit 43 points. They're blowing out people on a regular basis. But I'm more intrigued that we figured out why the offense is going because it still looks like, uh, I mean, I can't really figure out why.
2: (laughs) We figured out why the offense is rolling? Is that what you said? Yeah.
1: Because, like, like, they don't have a bunch of great receivers. They got a bunch of tight ends nobody knows about. They got a
2: nice run. Yeah, I know your game. You're trying to get game. me to say something. What are you trying to get me to say, Doc?
1: I'm not Clarence Hill. I'm not trying to get you to say anything. We're having a conversation.
2: <laughs> I, I, You know, Dak being back is a, is a big part of it. He's, hmm, he's playing well, but he could play better? That's that what I mean. Like, they look
1: wonky, but they're scoring a bunch of points. Right. It's, it's kind of interesting to me.
2: Yeah, they, they're running the ball. They're running the ball on anybody, really. I mean, they've had... You know, 200 yards rushing in in, – let me see if I can find it here real quick. I mean, they've had – whether it's Pollard or or whether it's Zeke, they're going for more than 200 yards. You know, they're they're running the ball really well. All right, not 200 yards, but they've had at least 133 yards rushing in every game since week four. That's that's pretty damn good. Uh, I think – gosh, now you got me thinking through this thing. Offensive lines playing well. They they didn't have any pre-snap penalties last week. They have good running backs and they have good receivers. And I think Kellen Moore's done a nice job of of scheming some things up. And on third down, they've been really good. So maybe it's proof that, like, you don't need to have Hall of Famers at every position to succeed. Um, But they're doing a nice job of of succeeding. And I know people are going to look at it, and I don't have it off the top of my head. Of like, well, they played the – 28th ranked defense the 31st ranked defense and the 20th ranked defense you know we're going to give them crap for who they play you can only play who you play against and when you're putting up 40 points a game pretty damn good against anybody
0: we we know now after the colts win that anthony brown is done for the year with the achilles injury it, it is the assumption i'm, I'm assuming it's, it's kelvin joseph that's going to come in and try and take over that role and that they would leave deron bland in the slot who's playing really really well had a couple of picks on sunday night but how much of a concern is that just based on what we've seen from Kelvin Joseph this year, which is pretty much nothing? Right.
2: Well, I mean, it was a concern for a lot of people, even when Anthony Brown was healthy, that, you know, once the run defense, quote unquote, was fixed, that Anthony Brown was the guy that, that was the, the weaker link uh, among, uh, among that defense. But I, I think he's a guy that was criticized far too often before he was. Yeah, guys are going to get beat. They're going to give up big plays. Not everybody, Trayvon Diggs, and can take it away all the time. But I think he was a good, solid player. That would start for a lot of teams as a number two cornerback. No, in Dallas, we don't care about that kind of thing. But, you know, uh, but he, yeah, that, that's a major loss in my view because here's Kevin Joseph, a second round pick in year two. Well, we have no idea what he is as a player. We we, we don't.
1: Oh, I have a pretty
2: I mean, we've seen him. He gave up a touchdown the other night to Alex Pierce. He was in position to make the play, but didn't make the play. He's had a few of those instances in the little time that he did play where. He's been in position, but he's not batted the ball down. He's not come up with a pick. Um, I don't think that – I think Bland has played too well in the slot to start moving him around. And let's be honest, their their nickel defense is their base defense anyway. So what's the benefit there? I, I, I think how you get through this, It well, nation Wright will be active. Maybe they call up Kendall Sheffield from the practice squad. Maybe they look at someone else's practice squad for a guy that – at least has been around a team that can know what's going on and add a guy there for depth purposes, but you're not going out and finding jock's buddy Dion uh, on the street, ready to go play. So, you know, now it's figured out, Dan Quinn, you're going to have to cover for this corner a little bit. What do you do with your safety? How do you roll your coverage? Maybe you put more on, on Trayvon Diggs to just stick with certain guys all over the field. So, um, I'm anxious to see how they handle that. But, again, this week it's Houston. Probably not going to be the most difficult test for the Cowboys defense. Okay, in the next week, Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, that'll be a little bit different. Um, That'll be a pretty good test. And then, you know, then you get that Philadelphia game. Um, So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a good thing for Kelvin Joseph that he can kind of work his way in against a Houston team that isn't very talented offensively, that he can maybe gain some confidence.
0: All right, all
1: right. I'll buy some of that. Uh, defensively, um, what do you think about how they're playing and, uh, and where are there some holes that they need to shore up? Is I nitpick again? Well,
2: well, we just talked about the holes. Of the, the Anthony Brown, that's a huge hole in, in my mind that they're going to have to find, figure out how to patch that up. Uh, I think they've done a better job against the run. Um, some of the part of me it's wonders if that's more of an. What's that?
1: I said that's kind of what I was getting at. I was trying to get Right, some it, to
2: but it. is that an element of Cowboys you know, getting big leads and changing the games that way? But you know, look, you, you wanted to see massive improvement after the the Green Bay game, and you know they, they gave up seventy three yards rushing to Minnesota, ninety to the to the Giants, and what was it against Phil against the Colts it was one hundred and six, but. Was it 106-killer yards? Probably not. I think they did a really good job on on Jonathan Taylor, you know, 3.9 yards a carry on, on 21 carries. You'll take that against a guy like that. So uh, I, I think another concern is maybe like plus 20-yard pass plays. They've been really good for the most part of the season of not allowing those things, like explosive plays. But it does seem to be maybe somewhat of an issue here lately.
0: Tyron Smith, at some point, he's coming back. Is is the plan going to be they move Tyler Smith inside to guard? And is that maybe why we saw Jason Peters playing whatever it was, like 19-20 snaps the other night, and they moved Tyler Smith right. into guard, trying to get him ready for that transition?
2: Yeah, and the same thing they did against Minnesota when they were up big and moved Tyler Smith into mm-hmm. left guard as well to get him some work. And I think that's, that's where they're going to go. Let me change that. That's where Jerry Jones wants them to go, or it's Tyron at left tackle and Tyler Smith at left guard. But I bet you there's some people in the building that say Connor McGovern should still be this team's left guard uh, when Tyron comes back because he, he's done a nice job in there. And you want to change out two positions and mess with any kind of chemistry or, or communication up front, um, you know, it's all good questions. To have. Maybe they split time and, and you're still getting Connor McGovern uh, reps out there because he deserves a play because he's done a nice job. Um, but Yeah, whenever – I don't think you'll see Tyron Smith this week in Houston. I bet you he dresses against Jacksonville, gets a series or two, a half, and then maybe against Philadelphia is when he returns to the starting lineup. I think that would probably be their their best plan to go about it because, again, as much as Tyron's a veteran, he's played forever, blah, 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 he's still a dude that hadn't done anything since August. So I think working him in – at least for a, you know, a couple of series against the Jaguars makes more sense than just throwing him out there without anything against the Eagles. Uh,
1: as we continue down this trip down the offensive line, it just dawned on me the other day that Biadish must be playing okay because I haven't seen him getting pushed back in the backfield with the same regular regularity lately. And Terrence Steele looks like he's kind of anchored that right tackle.
2: Yeah. And I mean, if you look at that offensive line, like we went into the season thinking the only guy that didn't have any question marks about him was Zach Martin and he's played to his standard. right? He'll be a pro bowler, all pro type. And then the other guys all had questions and I think they've answered them favorably, including Biotis. And I was talking to someone the other night in the organization, so that might've been his best game uh, against the Colts. So, you know, he was a guy that I think at the start of the season, and maybe even last year too. Like people, okay, who, how do you replace him? Can they get Connor Williams time at center? Remember that. And then this year was like they, they got Connor McGarvin time at center in the last preseason game. Are they looking for ways to move on from him to get their best five out there? But no, he's he's done a good job, and I think Dak trusts him uh, in terms of like what they they see things the same way, which is always important between the the quarterback and the center. And Terry Steele, you know, he had the four false starts in the opener. I think he has one penalty the rest of the season. So, you know, he he's a guy restricted free agent after this season. He's a guy that I think the Cowboys w- would could have. I don't know how to word it. Signed to a long term deal and and lock him up um, and and try and buy out his unrestricted free agent year uh, by by getting him done long term. I mean, he's that's he's been, been that good for them.
1: That's been a pretty good trade for uh, Lyle Collins, eh? Hey?
2: Yeah, and and L.C been better up in Cincinnati, too. I mean, you know, they're, they're winning games, so I, I just think it was, you know, some of it, I don't know if luck is the right word, but some of it's luck, and some of it is, let's be honest, if, if Lyle Collins doesn't fail those tests or have the issues with the <laughs> test, it's probably the best way to say it. He's still here because he's guaranteed another $10 million bucks. They aren't moving okay. on from him, right? So, you know, it, it worked out Good good for both sides.
0: The other thing to get into is the Odell Beckham situation. And you had reported, I think man, it was... I can't believe,
2: yeah. We're, how long are we into this thing? And yeah. We're 13 <laughs> minutes in and only now we're getting... I feel like McCarthy at the press conference the other day where it took us like 15 minutes to get the penalties.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, man, and, and you had the tweet yesterday, I think it was, on Monday. He's in the building, he's going through medicals. And then Jerry this morning on the flagship, as we record this on Tuesday afternoon... It, it, it really seemed like he had some hesitancy in the idea. All, and he didn't say he wasn't, but just by the way he kind of answered the questions, it almost feels like they have some, maybe some hesitancy with him from a medical standpoint of of how ready he actually is to play football.
2: And here's the thing, I don't think it's just the Cowboys that have that hesitancy. And Ed Werder had uh, talked to some sources that said that they don't think Odell will be ready until the postseason, if it's the postseason. So, you know, there's that to factor in. I don't think it's just the Cowboys. I think it's the Giants and the Bills. If you're asking me what I would put money on right now, what happens with Odell Beckham, I will put the money on. He's not playing anywhere in 2022, the 2022 season, because I guess the playoffs are in 2023. Um, but you know what I'm getting at. I, I he, Look at And I tweeted this earlier uh, Tuesday as well. Here's a guy who's lived in a social media bubble, right? Like, you always know where he is, what he's doing. Do you think if he was fully ready to go, don't you think we would have been seeing videos of him sprinting and cutting and catching passes and doing all these things on social media in some form? We've not seen one bit of that. We've seen him running straight ahead on a treadmill. Okay, that's that's good. That's progress, but, you know, does that mean he's close to getting ready to come back and play in the NFL because he can run on a treadmill really fast? Probably <laughs> not. And I think that's where we stand with this thing. You know, after his visits in Buffalo, in, in with the Giants, we didn't really hear anything about oh yeah, his his medical stuff checked out well. We didn't really hear anything. And I think some of that might be the team saying, Yeah, let's just be nice to the to the kid here and and you know, maybe Hint that the best thing for him to do is get ready for 2023, and, and then when he when free agency begins in March or even before March, because he'll be able to sign with anybody, he can show them that he's truly ready. And I I, I tweeted that as well. It might be in his best interest to not play for anybody this year and come back a after a full year off of that eight, torn ACL in the Super Bowl and show everybody that he's ready to go. Because if you're any, why would any team Forget the Cowboys. You throw the Cowboys in there, but why would any team throw significant or real money at a 30-year-old wide receiver with a twice torn ACL that is not working out for them? How many red flags do they just have in that sentence? <laughs> it's true. Right.
1: I mean, what, I mean, what are we that doing? That part here? is the big deal. Like if you if you were really good to go, you'd be like, "Hey, watch me do this thing." Uh, right. So it just well, you know, or it you just, do it
2: on your own and have it. You can. Tell the truth on social Instagram media. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So Think,
1: think about Zeke,
2: obviously. Are you ready for this controversial statement? The Cowboys will get more out of James Washington this season than they would Odell Becker.
1: Yep, there's Lee. That's going on the uh, thing, Matt. <laughs> well,
2: it makes sense. I mean, James, James Washington. James Washington
1: better than Odell No, Betton didn't say
2: Jr. that. Did not say that, Josh. Oh,
0: that's what I heard. Doing
2: that media thing again. <laughs>
0: Selective listening at its finest. Good Lord.
2: <laughs> I said they would get more out of him in 2022 than they would the other guy. Didn't say he was better then. Now I'm playing the word salad game. No, <laughs> oh, it is tasty. But, but yum, 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 seriously, yum. though, right? I mean, yeah, no, I would agree what, with you. Look what C.D. Lamb's doing. We're seeing Michael Gallup, who, by the way, had tore the same ACL a month before Odell, Odell did, had the surgery in February. And it's just now, while he was playing from since week four, it's just now starting to look the part, or better than, than he did when, when he first got back. Odell had the sur- had the operate I'm sorry, had the the injury in mid February. Probably, ha- I don't know exactly when he had the surgery, and he wasn't with a team. He wasn't with. Britt Brown is considered by many, including everybody in the Cowboys, the best rehab guy in the league. Right, right. We saw Michael Gallup still need some time to come back, even though he got back on the field sooner than a lot of people ever thought he would, but it took time for Michael Gallup to be Michael Gallup. Oh yeah, Beckham's up. He's been with his own personal trainers who I'm sure are qualified and very good and doing everything they can, but it's different when you're not in a team operation or a team environment going through your rehab. And we all know, Jock from covering this forever, how hands-on and, um, Pushy and uh, right, Britt Brown can be when he's getting all these guys back from these major injuries. Like the, the guy is truly one of the best in the league at, at what he does. Uh, there, there's so many questions about Odell and where things stand health-wise. That I don't even know if he even gets to a money stage. Let alone with the Cowboys, with any team. Mm. And by the time right this airs, that. Odell will sign a three-year, thirty-two million-dollar
0: contract <laughs> with whoever.
1: <laughs> nah, nah 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 i don't think so bro all
0: right we, we uh, i was gonna say we got a minute. couple minutes before Jacques needs to bounce so houston this is this is a wild game because you don't see lines like this in the nfl cowboys are favored by 17 points <laughs> i mean you just don't see that are they covering is this another blowout win yeah that's a lot of points I mean, so,
2: well wait a minute both
0: can be true right It can be a blowout
2: blowout win and not cover. You
0: can win by 16 points and not cover.
2: (laughs) Right. So, um, I'll be honest with you. I'm like, like, okay, I know they got a pretty decent running back, the kid from Florida, right? Is he still even playing for him, Damian Pierce? But but then I'm like, Kyle Allen's their quarterback. Eh. I mean, if he's playing again, or it's Davis Mills, he's obviously struggled. It'll... For a little, for a little while, it'll be a struggle just because, right? Because it's an NFL game, and that's what happens. But it, this has to be a game that they have to win by two and a half touchdowns. Yeah. Like on, yeah. honestly, I'm come up with somebody on that. De- like, who's their leader in sacks? Okay, Jerry Hughes a TCU, good player, eight sacks. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like I'm, I'm literally going through the the stats, and I'm like. I don't know that guy. Don't know. And Maybe that's on me just being a crappy reporter, but. <laughs> like, there, I mean, you know, they're no, really I bad. Like this, they're really bad. The, the, the Jalen Petrie from Baylor, I liked him coming into the draft. I thought he was a good player. Um, but, yeah, there's a there's a lot of questions about this. So, And, I, you know, I was talking to someone in the organization about this, too, about this game. He's like, well, the only thing you need to remember is in 2002, we thought we were going to roll over them, and their first came back, and they beat us. So
1: hell yeah! Well, there you if go. Maybe it,
2: it's the ghosts of two thousand two We'll come Campo. back.
0: Yeah, maybe.
2: Right. <laughs> and, and that team was five and eleven and wasn't very good. This is a team that. Some I don't know how ESPN analytics work. It they are now the favorite to reach the Super Bowl in the NFC, even over the Eagles at the moment.
1: So you're right. know how they worked
2: it. I don't know how they worked that. Work that. I think. I think it, let's just make sure the Cowboys are this and then we can have 18 segments about it on all of our shows.
1: That's settle for a trip to the NFC
2: Championship game.
0: God, that'd be awesome. I remember what that feels like. I was in high school.
2: <laughs> I, I don't remember what that is like. I was not <laughs> living here. All right. Okay, we're three weeks out, but let's say everything goes to plan against the Eagles. Maybe even the Eagles Lose one of their next couple of games here, Jack When's the biggest? What's the biggest Eagles Cowboys regular season game that you remember? Regular season. Game. What was the forty-four to six game where the Cowboys got whacked? Oh my yeah. god! Two thousand eight. was. I remember that. Yeah, I think
1: so. The winner, winner,
2: go home kind of game, right? There
1: was a big one when they played in the playoffs in Dallas. I mean, I'm going back See, way didn't in the We said we
2: said regular season, Jock.
1: No, I said they they beat them in the last game of the regular season and then turn around and beat them in the first week of the playoffs
2: oh that was that That's... was 2009 oh okay I knew it was something like yeah, that yeah remember they, they shut them out at at t Stadium and played them five six days later and they beat them that was Romo's first playoff win by the oh, way yeah. we started this thing talking about the 33 point fourth quarter you realize what is now the second highest scoring fourth quarter in team history Romo's first start against the Panthers they scored 25 points I forgot all about I, that I never would have guessed that one either so but I'm trying to think of like big Eagles, Cowboys, regular season game. Like I remember Dez getting in a fight with Malcolm Jenkins on the field before game. And he was going back and forth with for a couple of the DBs. Yeah, I
0: remember one. I just looked it up because I was like, man, there was one when Aikman played like early in their career. And you go, this is way back. But in 91, Philadelphia and Dallas were both 9-5. and five. They played in Philadelphia the second-to-last game of the year, and Dallas won and got into the playoffs, and Philadelphia lost and obviously didn't make the playoffs. That was the year yeah, they lost was they to Detroit. even the
2: quarterback, or was that Burline? No, it was might they, have been Burline. I can't remember.
0: It? I just remember it was like early on when they were going on. But yeah, yeah. I think it was probably Burline. You're probably right. But whatever it was, that was like, like a game like this, this late in the year with a lot on the line, and yeah, it was Burline. And then, then you
2: got to go, you know, playoff-wise, you go to the, uh, what was the 81 they met in the NFC title game, 80? 80. 81 was the catch, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Eight, 1980 when, when the Eagles beat the Cowboys in the NFC title game. I mean, that, I mean, there's – the way it's shaping it, San Francisco loses Jimmy G, you have to think they're going to take a step back with Proc Ferdier as their quarterback. I know they're still a good team with a lot of talent around the quarterback the Cowboys beat Minnesota 40-3 to three already so you'd have to think they'd be favored at least going against the Vikings like how big would a Cowboys-Eagles NFC title game and shoot me why am I talking about this on December 6th like how many times do I need to be <laughs> well, fooled
0: to even discuss this stuff maybe it's coming we'll see alright Todd Archer as always man we appreciate it thanks for the time yep thanks folks. alright see you. alright brother all right there he goes ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys reporter Todd Archer here on the Jam Session podcast thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session cast of course you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt radio and at JJT underscore journalist Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the JM Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.